When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for listening to the Lakers Fast Break Podcast, part of the Hoopheads Podcast Network. Check out all their awesome basketball shows today at hoopheadspod.com. for another episode of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Lakers Fast Break, Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at the Lakers Fast Break, Basketball University on Medium.com. Lakerholics.com and the Hoopheads Podcast Network. It is truly appreciated. Well, guys, it's great to have you here. Everybody else that's watching and listening, thank you so much for doing so on 4th of July weekend. I hope you are safe. Hope you're having fun, a good time. Check out the fireworks later on this evening, but there's still plenty of fireworks left in the NBA because it is almost that time. The finals, where the Lakers should be at, unfortunately are not. And I'm going to keep rubbing that in. We should be there ahead of the Suns. But the Suns are going in on Tuesday, game one of the finals against Milwaukee Bucks. That game is going to be set for you right there this week. It is going to start the NBA finals. And we're going to be talking about that today, along with the Olympic team, Dennis Schroeder, and Scotty Brooks. An interesting combination today, but here today with me, guys, is going to be a great guest list, as always, from the Lakerholics.com crew. Of course, you have Mr. Jamie Sweet, Five Things, who has actually shown up again because, you know, hmm. he's not driving this time. He's actually stationary, so he's here today. Laker Tom is here as well, but also Spencer Young from Basketball-University. Guys, it is the NBA Finals. The Lakers should be there, but need I digress? I'm going to start with you, Jamie, since you came first. Your thoughts on the NBA Finals, and we'll go into a prediction at the very end with all three of you. Okay. I mean, it's the NBA Finals. Literally nobody predicted. Uh, zero predictions from any people out there that was Buck Suns, baby. Buck Suns. Two of the healthier teams. It's going to be entertaining. It's going to be entertaining. It'll be a lot of fun. I'm excited. Well, uh, let's hope so. Uh, one of the concerns I'm sure the NBA had was, uh, you know, when they every every year that they do this is, are they going to be large enough markets that are going to just transcend through the entire country and through the entire world? People going to latch onto it. Spencer, I'm going to go with you next, my friend. Great to have you here. Your thoughts on the finals? I know it's not 
I don't want to say it's the, uh, it's Adam Silver's nightmare, <laughs> but having two small market teams, <laughs> two of the actually smaller market teams that are out there, this is going to be something that they can never take back. And the reason why I say that is because now those arguments year after year, well, the smaller teams, the smaller market teams can't compete, smaller market teams can't compete. Well, guess what? You have two smaller market teams, they're competing, and they're going at it at the NBA Finals. Well, yeah. I mean, I still think it'll be a good viewing experience. You know, like throughout the playoffs, Phoenix and Milwaukee have had, I, I think, like full capacity crowds. So, I, I mean, you contrast like the Clippers were having cut out fans until like game six of the semifinals. So, you know, I, I think the atmosphere will be fine. And as far as like people who predicted the Bucks and Suns, I mean, I wouldn't, I personally didn't think that would be the case. But I mean, Phoenix was a really good team throughout the regular season, I think. Milwaukee really positioned themselves for playoff success this year. It's not all that surprising. Well, to me, again, it comes down to the fact that both teams were relatively healthy throughout the entire season. With the Bucks, of course, a lot lies on the health of Giannis Tetacumpo and the dynamic that he can bring. If that will be enough to go ahead and get them by the Phoenix Suns, we'll have to wait and see, and we'll have our predictions here in a moment. But it is something we're going to be watching, regardless, because we're basketball fans. I don't know how many people will be watching as Laker Tom is coming up next, but Laker Tom, the man behind Lakerholics.com, I ask you this. I mean, we're going to be watching as Lakers fans. We're going to be watching as NBA fans, but... Really, it doesn't seem to have that same magic and panache as maybe an, a, another year, a normal year may have. Well, I don't think it's a normal year. I think that's the that's the whole upshot of the situation. We've gone through two COVID-influenced NBA seasons that are the kind of seasons that I hope we'll never see again. I mean, we first had the bubble championship, which the Lakers came through and won in great style. Now we've got the last man standing championships, which uh, the Phoenix Suns look like they're, you know, they have a good shot at at, uh, at being the last team standing. I was actually surprised to hear that the Suns were actually slight favorites in the series. Obviously, probably taking into account questions about whether Giannis was going to be available and so forth. Both teams have been in, involved in some of the most exciting games that we've seen so far in the playoffs. I haven't heard any news of of what the most recent ratings were, but the earlier ratings really looked pretty substantial for the league. So I'm hoping from the standpoint of the players and the and the NBA and uh, basketball fans everywhere that, that we see a good resounding heavy crowds watching the games and streaming the action on, on the other sources. I have to admit that I did not watch game five of the – the Bucks and the Hawks series simply because the superstars weren't in, weren't available in that game. And I probably had the sound turned off and was reading a book while I was watching game six. So uh, if my wife says, you know, hey, there's a movie I want to watch, you know, I, I, I probably wouldn't argue too hard against letting her watch the movie. And she always claims that I never give up the remote control. So, 
you know, you, there are times when you have to, when you have to pick what's more important. Um, and, uh, here's a thought, buy another TV. <laughs> oh, but then I couldn't watch it with my wife. You know, I like to, I like to watch the basketball games with my wife. Phoenix and Milwaukee, it is going to be uh, simply a very competitive NBA Finals. I think it's going to be coming down to a six or seven game series. I don't think it's going to be a blowout by any stretch of the imagination. But I ask you this, and we'll start off with you, Jamie. Your Finals prediction, your NBA Finals prediction when it comes down to it. What do, who do you have for the victor? If Giannis plays, I'm saying bucks and six if oh wait you can't have you gotta you no, can't yeah no more if ifs no qualifiers man bucks and, six. bucks and six bucks and six okay spencer who do you have i, I think i'll say sons and sevens but the two cam there's like two major caveats with i don't know if Giannis like when he's coming back and also, apparently, Chris Paul has torn ligaments in his hands, which I just learned about. So that's- yeah, he, he mentioned that. Yeah, that he has some time off to heal, help heal his hand. But that's the kind of thing that's going to take a long time in healing. He scored forty-one points, so <laughs> you know it must can't not hurt be- that bad. Yeah, <laughs> can't hurt that bad. Well, and then Devin Booker has a broken nose that's not going to heal until after the playoffs, and he hasn't played well, I don't think, since. He broke his nose. So I guess we'll see. We'll see, but you know, it's all to me. It's all about stepping up to that grand stage of the finals. I think that you know who is going to step up because they nobody really has NBA Finals experience among these two teams outside of Jay Crowder, and you know, it's just to me, it just seems like one of these two teams is going to have to step up to play, or one of these players is going to have to go ahead and make a finals experience like none other for themselves so laker tom you've heard the prediction so far your thoughts on the series between phoenix and milwaukee i'm going to say uh the suns and seven like spencer i think that that's a good handle on it i think one of the things that's really been interesting to me is the effect of having three superstars we saw the bucks even being able to become competitive simply because they had three superstars. So if they only had one and a half of them on the court, that's still more than one superstar. And I think we saw a very good performance by the, by the Milwaukee Bucks with Giannis out because they basically, uh, you can, you can really tell there the effect that having gone off season and, and brought in Drew Holiday had on that team giving them three stars. And when you lose one of those three stars, like they did with Giannis, the other two stars really can step up along with some role players like uh, Brooke Lopez having an outstanding game, a couple of games there. So I, you know, I, I still think it's going to be a really tough series for the Bucks, even if they get Giannis back, if they don't get him back, I still think they can be competitive um, with Phoenix because of having three stars and having two guys that, are really important, especially when you look at the matchups, um, because obviously Drew Holiday is probably going to hound Booker at, and, and give him the same type of treatment that uh, Patrick Beverly did, hopefully in a more sportsmanlike approach than Beverly is capable of. But uh, it looks to me like a pretty well-matched series, maybe with Giannis coming back in games you know, five and six and maybe game seven, something like that. 
but I but I like the Suns. I like the way that they have come through. I thought that their their team has responded extremely well. The fact that they were able to put the Clippers down in six, the Lakers down in six, the the uh, I think they swept the Nuggets. So that's that's a pretty good statement of, of what kind of what how the team can play. I think that they're going to prevail, but it's going to be an entertaining series, and uh, hopefully, we'll see everybody watch all seven games. Well, we'll see what the ratings say. Again, these are two small market teams. Oh, there you go, Jamie saying six right there for you. But I've been oh, wishy washy and the wrong count, Jamie. I've yeah. been wishy washy on this uh, because I've been going back and forth, even while you guys are talking to me, because this is very close. Uh, I. Don't have a definitive answer either which way. But oh come I on, put, I, would, I wouldn't put. I wouldn't put money on it <laughs> personally. If I'm here in Vegas and I'm not putting money on this series, I would not put money on this series. So I, I know don't you have don't put a, money on anything. It's the only way you can live in Vegas. Well, you know, this town wasn't built on winners. That's for sure. Well, so, yeah, yeah. I was going to say losers. Yeah, yeah well, it's built town. on a lot of losers. Yep, and I'm not one of them here, thank goodness. But if when I do put money on, I do put money every now and then, and I do win. I usually put it on sure things. Sure, right, yeah. But I tell you what. How much I, did you have on the Lakers this year? Well, nobody bets on the Lakers here because too many people come up from Los Angeles like Jamie, and they put money on it, and it spikes the actual odds so that the Lakers can never get good odds on anything. So there you go. It's one thing you learn here in Vegas is you don't bet on the Lakers because the odds stink. Because, again, people like Jamie come up from Los Angeles and they spike it. But, again, my prediction is I'm thinking I'm going to go with Milwaukee in six. I think they just have too much <laughs> firepower as far as uh, for a roster is concerned. I have no faith in Phoenix. I think they got lucky to get by the Lakers. Spencer uh, and I will have marked that down. Yeah, so, you know, I think they got by each and every time. They've had luck. They've had a great amount of luck, and that's something you need in your championship season. So I wouldn't be surprised. Again, I think it's going to be the Bucks and six, but Phoenix could take it. I don't, I'm not confident on either team. But for me, Phoenix has been very fortunate that they've had three successive rounds with dealing with teams with major injuries. And I think all three of these teams would have been much more competitive. And in the case of the Clippers and Lakers would have beaten the Suns if both teams were healthy. So I think if that's the case, then for me, Milwaukee also has had that same kind of luck, especially with against Brooklyn. But I think they were better. They're more competitive team in the East, as far as it's concerned in regards to who they match up with. And I, I think if Giannis Antetokounmpo comes back, which I think he's probably going to, I'm not sure if it's a game one deal. I'm saying maybe game two or three. I'm going to say right now that Milwaukee's going to squeak it out. But again, I'm not too high. I'm not too confident on it. Uh, and we'll see. We'll go from there. But I'll say six games. This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com. And you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. I know you've been hearing about Manscaped on all those other programs and podcasts. Well, Manscaped and the Hoopheads Podcast Network are working together on something fantastic. And oh my goodness, have we got a deal for you. Manscaped.com has just released their wireless, waterproof, and rechargeable Lawnmower 4.0, which offers their trademark skin-safe replaceable blades that gets you the ultra-close shave exactly where you need it. Head on over to manscaped.com and choose from the huge list of men's grooming and lifestyle products 
including the ultra-popular Lawnmower 4.0 Body Groomer, and get 20% off at Manscaped, plus free shipping with the promo code FASTBREAK at manscaped.com. That's right, just type in FASTBREAK, all one word at checkout, at Manscaped, and get ready to start looking good this summer from your friends at Manscaped, the Hoopheads Podcast Network, and the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. There's another factor involved in this series, which is there's an, argument, there's an argument. Well, there's an argument to be made that it's a small sample size, I do admit, but that the Bucks might be better without Giannis because they have more shooting. Just a thought. I'm not in love with Giannis Antetokounmpo as far as the game is concerned. He's one of the, how should I say, very complex superstars that have played the game at a modern mm-hmm. level because he can't shoot threes well, he can't shoot free throws well, and he still is able to go ahead and score and do the things that he does. As far as his style of play, comparative to what you're supposed to be, the way you're supposed to be playing that's successful in today's age. So it's very interesting to see that dynamic. It's not a, it's not a complete negative that he's not playing is what I'm saying. No, yeah, and I get you. And, and there's, I get something, you. There's, there's something to that. There's something to the style of play that we saw with Brooke, with them going inside with Brooke Lopez, but having the outside shooting that created much better spacing than when yeah. they had Giannis in the game. Yeah. And to me, it's just something. He, he has a different dynamic that he brings to Milwaukee, but I don't know what – yeah, it's just it's it's so weird. Like you said, they sometimes play more efficiently yeah. when he's not in the lineup because his game is not suited to the pace and space one hundred percent because he, he has such a different dynamic. I mean, if he's not going downhill, he's not doing his spin moves. How effective is he? But that yet he still managed to fill up the box score regardless. So. Right, he's the Russell Westbrook of forwards. Yeah, it's actually like a, it's actually a good analogy, uh, yeah. Jamie. I like that. Yeah, except I he's mean, not, it, it, he he's can a, still win. He can still win you games big time, but at the same token, there's a price for having a player who plays that style that he does. And then also, Chris Middleton has been a great part of it because the fact that even though he's not a he's not a traditional superstar as himself, he's like a he's he's like a an excellent shooting all-star in my opinion, but he is the guy they go to in the clutch each and every time out. They don't go to Giannis. Giannis like three and a half quarters, the first three and a half quarters for them. And then they ask Middleton to do all the heavy, heavy work in the last quarter and the last half, the last part of the couple minutes. So yeah, it's, it's just, it's kind of that weird dynamic that he brings, but I'm still picking Milwaukee in six, whether or not they have Giannis or not. I'm not loving the pick Jamie, but I'm going to say, you know, all right, there you go. Maybe. Well, next, well, next week when they win, when, if, if Phoenix wins, I'm going to say Phoenix won. Hey, no, I knew it all the time. I knew it all the time. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Well, <laughs> it's awful hard to do that when you got yourself on video. I know. know, saying, I know. Saying, I'll be, I'll be, saying uh, Milwaukee and six. You know, there are other individuals out there that do that all the time. So, no, I'm kidding. I, I actually won't go back on my statement. I, I'll say Milwaukee and six, Milwaukee and six. But if you guys have thoughts out there on the series, please let us know. Social media, Lakers Fast Break. Everybody out there, please, if you get a chance, we'd love to hear from you at Lakers Fast Break or Lakerholics.com. What are your thoughts on the NBA Finals? Go ahead and let Laker Tom know. Go ahead and let Jamie know. Go ahead and let Spencer know on basketball-university at medium.com. 
But guys, there's still so much more to talk about on today's show. The Olympic team was announced recently, and LeBron, by all indications, according to Jerry Colangelo, and yes, there's still a Colangelo involved in (laughs) basketball in America. That's very amusing. But yes, Jerry Colangelo of USA Basketball announced that he's uh, essentially retired, even though LeBron hasn't said it. LeBron has been all over. He's made appearances at WNBA games. He's made appearances all over doing his Space Jam thing. So he hasn't said anything in regards to that. Maybe we'll get a clarification of that maybe in the weeks going forward. But Olympics are coming to Tokyo in the not-too-distant future. So, Spencer, I'm going to start with you, my friend. The actual Olympic team was announced. And here we go. Bam Adebayo, Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, Jeremy Grant, Draymond Green, Drew Holiday, Zach Levine, Damian Lillard, Kevin Love, Chris Middleton, and Jason Tatum. That's your team. A couple controversies came from it. But your thoughts on the team itself, do you think this is a team that is a sure thing for a gold medal? I'll go ahead and say yes. I mean, it's a really talented roster. Obviously, they're just a little bit light on experience, I think. But, I mean, the 2016 team was a close call, and they still won gold. So, I think it's safe to say they'll win a gold medal. I think it's also a talented team. I'm not convinced that it's a gold medal team, but we'll see. It depends on if everybody has their heart in it or if they're just going over there for a workout. So, we'll see. I know that Chris Middleton will be a little bit fatigued. So will Devin Booker, you know, the status with his nose. So we'll see what happens there. Laker Tom, you've read the roster of the team. I know Kevin Love stands out for altogether different reasons. I've heard the word sore thumb. I've heard the word he's in there because he's a white guy. I've heard he's in there for a lot of other reasons. I'm personally not in love with the fact that he's in there. I think there could have been a spot better used by a more talented, younger talent that they could have approached personally. I thought that was something that I think was a miss for them, especially after his demonstration that he pulled off that almost got him the shacked in the fool for this year. If everybody remembers what he did, they could just go ahead and go to Twitter or Google it about his lack of affirmation in the Cleveland Cavs team. But I want to hear your thoughts. Uh, is this a team that you think is qualified to go ahead and get a gold medal this year? I think they're going to have some competition. I mean, the Canadians have one hell of a team, too. Very strong. Um, they got they got eight, eight or nine NBA players on that team. So, uh, And then also, too, I think that you don't know whether it's COVID, the after effect of the last two playoffs that we've been involved in and all of the management and injury stuff that's going on. But I, you almost get a feeling that the league is on the verge of a giant transformation where a whole bunch of the old stars are going to disappear and a whole bunch of new stars are going to take over. It's going to be interesting to see whether teams like the Lakers, the Clippers and the, and the uh, Nets can, can reverse this sort of rise uh, we have of the young players in the league because you just don't expect a guy in the third year like Trey Young is to, you know, to, to come up and play the way that he has. And, and uh, we've seen, we've seen teams that are unexpected being in the finals the last two years. So 
there is a point there is a point in time when all of a sudden we're not going to have LeBron James and Kevin Durant and Steph Curry around anymore and James Harden and those guys and you know and it and it's I think it's coming faster than most of us would like to see it come especially fans of those three teams who have the old-time superstars who are who can be involved in the discussions of who's the goat and and basically are you know our legends that we're watching play and maybe watching their last few years to play so I don't think it's a sure lock for a goal just simply because of the nature of this is the Olympics that still are a lot of questions about, you know, whether some parts of the world's are safe. There's a lot of questions about Japan itself, you know? So I don't know. I, I, I think that we're going to see a very erratic and a very unexpected results from a lot of the teams that are in, in the situation and as we've seen the trend go from the last 20, 30 years, the international teams and the international players are becoming better and better. You know, this is, this is not America's game only anymore. And uh, I think Canada could be the biggest threat that the American team will have. I don't, you know, it will be interesting to see how all of the events go and, and what concessions they make to the, to the public health situations in in the countries that are competing and so forth, and who's going to actually show up. When you think about the fact that we just had a lot of injuries in the NBA, I was actually surprised at the number of players who did step up and say that I'm going to I'm going to play for Team USA. But at the same token, a lot of those games t- tend to be exhibition games, if you will, because some of the teams that we're going to play in the early rounds really aren't competitive with a team full of NBA players. On the other hand, uh, you know, you just hope nobody gets injured. Well, let me ask you this. Who did you say would be very competitive with the United States team? Who did you say? Canada. Spencer brought it to our attention that Canada is eliminated from this year's Olympics. Oh, they are? Yeah. Because of the border situation thing again? Yeah. yeah. They, they lost, lost in a qualifier in November. Oh, they lost in the qualifier. Oh, that's right. They had the qualifiers. Yes. Hmm. So there goes that one out the window. So. Yep. Sorry about that. But there's always a team or two that surprises. Remember the year Brazil surprised everybody. Remember the year that Spain with the Casal mm-hmm. brothers uh, surprised so many people. So there or, could or be. the year the Russians surprised everybody. Shout out to our friends in Russia and Ukraine that actually. Uh, check out this show in large numbers so we truly appreciate it but still that was a hot point i think for usa basketball and maybe we need that if we go there and we pull up and get fourth or a fifth or something when we go there maybe we need that kind of shot in the arm it seems like whenever we have those disappointing outings like in what was the world championships i think we finished like sixth or something and yeah that just gives you a shot in the arm because we do get very conceited Jamie, and you're coming up next. We do get very conceited as far as where we're at with basketball because of you know how it was invented, and invented by a Canadian. Everybody needs to know by James Naismith if they look that up. But yeah, I know where it was. I know where it was created. It at, was invented but, in the United States. Though. Yes, I was in the United States, but by a Canadian. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like half and half. So when you look at it, but again. That, you know, we, we get into a certain level of error in regards to our American basketball. We know exactly, uh, 
you know, how well we are in the Pantheon. And sometimes we take it too much. We we become very conceited about it. We we think we could just roll any team out there and just roll a basketball out there and we're, and we're good. I think international play is very different and sometimes we don't adapt to it well. And sometimes we struggle even with more talented teams than we, than we should. But Jamie, I want to hear your thoughts. Is this team, the way it's perceived, the way it rolls out there, the team that you want to go ahead and uh, think that will take it all at, in the gold medal games, in the, in the Olympic games in Tokyo? I mean, I think they got a pretty good shot. We got a lot of talent on that team, a lot of guys who can score. Oddly enough, you know, what, what it comes down to in these international competitions that I think the American teams struggle with is just a lack of foundational basketball. You know, all these guys have been designed and designed their games around playing the NBA game, which is not the international game. The international yep. game is a lot more team-oriented. Rules are a little bit different, and the three-pointer is a big part of it, but it's not the – it doesn't not to the level that it is in the modern NBA game. Now, sometimes they throw out teams out there that are just so talented, like the LeBron, Carmelo, Anthony teams, or the Dream teams that are just going to blow away anybody. But, but it's those it's it's those teams that are on a lower level, that are on a closer level to the rest of the you know, rest of the world. I think those teams always seem to struggle with the international game. The, the way I look at it is, how many max contract guys are playing for the Olympic team this year? This year. Only a couple, so that's that's always the qualifier. This team, I think, we could be in the same sort of um, range as that Iverson. I can't remember which team it was that couldn't that didn't even that didn't medal. That was before LeBron played in the Olympics. I think. I think it was yeah. Or LeBron played in the Olympics, and then there was one before Kobe came to the Olympics where we didn't win at all, but we still medaled. And then I think Kobe Bryant had enough of that. It's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be more competitive than people expect. You know, Slovenia just won uh, behind some brilliant play by Luca. So there's, you know, the, the the game of basketball, like you just said, has become a lot more international than it was in the '80s when the Dream Team rampaged through everybody. You know, lapping lapping teams uh, over the course of the game, and that's not going to happen anymore. Not uh, the Globetrotters anymore. No, uh, this is going to be and the Washington Generals. Right, right, which I love that they've asked to be instated as an NBA team. I'm, it's uh, not Charles Barkley trying to punch out Angola again. Right, so. like, these things aren't going to happen. And I will argue that that Dream Team team had not just great superstars, but all of those guys played great fundamental basketball, had great foundational skills that you just don't have in the modern <laughs> game, not to the same level. You don't get the basics drilled into your head, drilled into your body in the same way that it was 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago. That's an area where, we're, where we have a deficit. And in some ways, I kind of feel like, you know, a lot of these guys just go to go to Pop 101. They want to get some Greg Popovich instructional, uh, you know, instructional videos in their portfolio so that they can learn some new things about how the game is played at an, at an intellectual level. I mean, I think we're going to medal. I think that Germany is going to be a problem. A lot of good guys on the Germany team. They're very athletic. Schroeder's going to be looking to prove that he's, which might be a next segue into your next segment. His last uh, chance to... Last Show something before he gets a salary. That's right. This is this is it. You know, you win a gold medal for Germany, and suddenly that hundred million, hundred twenty-five million dollar contract looks a little more palatable. You know, if you're if you go twenty and ten with hardly any turnovers, people are going to be like, "Oh, well, look what he did in the Olympics." I don't see it personally. Still, even if he drops thirty and thirty every game in the Olympics, I'm going to be like, "Nah, that's fool's gold, man." But whoever gets him, enjoy. And if it's us, we'll have to work with it. 
We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Hey, hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com, spelled A-R-Y-S-E, and use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E.com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Spencer, I want to ask you this. Again, I think it's a very good team. I think it's uh, it got players even down to the 10th, 11th guys, uh, like when you're coming down to the last end of the roster, the guys like Jeremy Grant, who had such a sensational season for Detroit and who was a very solid player for for the Denver rotation. So I don't have a problem with him. Plus, he plays outstanding defense. I know you can tell on Detroit because it's Detroit, but I remember the series against LeBron where he was really matched up as probably as well as you can play against LeBron. But the name Kevin Love still sticks out there like a sore thumb. And the reason why I brought him back, it's not the diversity issue of it all, because I think that also speaks for itself. And I think, again, just having him there is is a poor choice after what he demonstrated during the course of the season. But to me, I thought a better fit is somebody that Laker Tom would like to see on the Lakers. And that is Miles Turner. I think him would have been a very good piece to add on. But outside of, let's take Kevin Love off the team. Okay, let's say we're, Jerry Colangelo. They, need, they needed another center, though. He's they, not a center. They only have Abadayo as the only other center on the team. He's not a center. Though. That's both, what I'm saying. They're both small ball. There's both small ball five. That's why players. I was saying Miles Turner Nine would wins. have been a much yeah. better choice, the defensive and also for stretch reasons. But right. I think he shoots better than Kevin Love at this point in time at the three, unless Kevin Love finds a fountain of youth sometime soon. Right. But Spencer, I want to hear your thoughts. Is Kevin Love the right answer in the Olympic team? And if not, who would you have chosen? Well, okay. I mean, part of Kevin Love being on the team is that he's been on Team USA before. Uh, I know that, yeah, yeah. But you know, there's also there's also optics, my friend. In the twi- yeah, in the age of Twitter, there's also optics. Yeah, I mean, okay, if you if you're taking him as the last guy, I think it's like the last guy on the roster. The Christian Leitner semantics. <laughs> and, I, mean, I mean, yeah, sure, I'd take Miles Turner, but if it's if you're talking about the last guy on the roster, I think it's fine. Um, I guess some Lakers-related news. He's rooming with Kevin Durant, and if he gets bought out, he's uh, his top choice is the Nets. So that's interesting. Yeah, I think overall, though, Team USA upgraded talent-wise from when we last saw them. I think at FIBA it is. That's the international competition because the team that competed in FIBA, I think they're – Best three players were like the best three players on the Boston Celtics. So Kemba Walker back then, a young Jalen Brown before he scores 25 points a game and Jason Tatum before he became an all-NBA player. So I think you compare that to now, you have an all-NBA Jason Tatum, you have Devin Booker, you have Kevin Durant, you can go on and on. Definitely upgraded 
and telling. They always do. Miraculously, they always bring out some extra players that didn't compete at the other tournaments. And, you know, we managed to go ahead and, and, and do that. And I'm very thankful for it. And I'm very hopeful that this U.S. team can go ahead and get the gold medal. But Laker Tom will close this section on out with, Again, the Kevin Love issue. I mean, he's there. He's not going to get much time. I understand that. And if you're actually playing Kevin Love in the basketball game, then it better be a blowout or you better be desperate. You know, you have to remember that what they're trying to do, in theory, is to build a team that fills all of the, checks all of the boxes and provides you with all of the things that you need to, all of the weapons that you want to have a diverse roster that you can match up with any team. And with Bam as the only other quote center on the team you need some size and but weren't there better choices at center well we don't what we don't know is exactly who else was available and who else was willing to play I mean I, I think there was a point in time when we were really concerned that would we get a good starting lineup even there were like only three or four guys who were willing to play and everybody else coming off of the NBA playoffs was saying man I don't want to I don't want to risk getting injured there and affect my career for a gold medal, and and that's why you see a lot of young guys on there. You don't see the guys like LeBron who, or Kawhi or Paul George or any of the old-time superstars there that don't want to risk, you know, $100 million worth of salary possibly, you know, and, and a chance to win an NBA championship by going and playing for a gold medal, you know. Um, I think the Paul George injury – Back here at Las Vegas, uh, you know, I think that was probably the case in point you're talking about right there. It's well, you know, it's just you 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 get into those games and you know you get in it. I mean, just look at what happened to Kuzma last, you know, when he was just trying out for the team and it, that set him back for half a year. It probably affected the thirteen million dollar three year contract that he got. And then everybody can turn around and point to whether it's, you know, Nerland's Noel or or DeMarcus Cousins missing out on a huge payday just because of injuries. So I, I think they did a good job, and I think that they probably put together the best team they could. And when you come down to it, they balanced the team a little bit racially. They balanced it positionally. They balanced it with a guy who is probably the best outlet passer and one of the best rebounders on that team. He's the only stretch five on that team. He's a great passer and a great playmaker. He's a good scorer. He can't play defense anymore. But on the other hand, you know, we saw what happened with guys who you thought couldn't jump anymore and all of a sudden joined the Brooklyn Nets and are dunking the ball left and right. So you can't just, you know, a lot depends upon who you're playing for and playing for the Cavaliers is surely not a venue that's going to give you much opportunity to shine. I think what may come out of this, it's it's almost as if this was uh, an opportunity by his agent to get him some publicity, to get him some playing time on national TV because he sure didn't get it with the Cavaliers. And he's going to want to, he's going to probably at some point in time, they're going to work on a buyout. They've already announced that he's not going to be a priority in the lineup going forward for next year. So that was like the Cavaliers saying, how much, what do you want to buy out? You know, what are you willing to accept? Then like Spencer said, he's, probably going to jump up onto the bandwagon and hope to get a ring from the Nets. And it'd probably be a great fit on the Nets. Exactly what they need. This is why we don't have Jamie Sweet heading up the 
U.S. Olympic team as far as it's concerned <laughs> because he has Andre Drummond over Kevin Love. I don't think he's feeling well. So we'll just go ahead and just leave it at the, that. For Tom, just for Tom. Just for Tom. Okay. All right. Well, again, I would have asked DeAndre Ayton. I would have asked a number of individuals above Kevin Love. I don't see I, – I, in this case, you, you're trying to pull out the best available – players for your roster that want to commit to going to Tokyo and winning a championship, winning a gold medal for their country. And I just don't think after the attitude that he's shown, plus the injuries and all the things that he didn't do over the course of the past year, year and a half, I don't think it was important to, no matter what past he has with the U S Olympic team. Although I know it's there and whatever. Did they, did they ask Patrick Beverly to play? <laughs> Well, he would have won the back pushing competition. That's for sure. Well, I mean, so, you know, if if good sportsmanship is only worth one game penalty, I mean, I would have loved to see him there. He would have just, you know, what is the NBA have, coming to? You know, that's think Charles Barkley again. You think Char- Charles Barkley was? They go to shake his hand at the end of the game, and he'd likely punch some guy out. Yeah, exactly. So you know, just for those kind of optics would have been great for America. I think past competing in jujitsu actually this year. So. Okay, fair yeah, enough. Fair enough. Throw. Again, if there's a back push, I mean, seriously, how many how many games? I have a question for everybody. How many games would have been a, a, a logical and smart penalty for Patrick Beverly? I say ten. I say five. I say ten. Five, ten. Spencer, one is a joke. One is a joke. One's a joke, and it's like I, saying I, sportsmanship doesn't count. It's the equivalent of this. Yeah. What do you think, Spencer? Five, uh, ten, maybe like five, and an actual like financial penalty. Even though I know he's gonna, you know, he, he's making thirteen million. I think he'd be fine, but I'm sure Balmer takes care of it. Patrick Beverly, you know, he he's assessed a game, but still, getting back to the Olympics, uh, it is going to happen Got soon enough. Back onto that real quick. Do do we also think that that's like a? Well, it was only Chris Paul for the suspension. You mean two guys who basically. That's what they do. Nobody, nobody wants on the other team, but they're great if they're, exactly. they're on your team. Exactly. I mean, I could take Chris Paul, but Patrick Beverly, if the Lakers signed Patrick Beverly, I would look that as the equivalent of them signing Satan or, uh, <laughs> you know, or Lucrezia uh, Borgia or, you know, I mean, <laughs> any of the villains from the past uh, that you can put the, together. We, t- we got Rajon Rondo. That's right. Playoff Rondo, baby. And I want to bring him up in a little bit. Okay. Uh, but we'll go from there. Again, Patrick Move Beverly. On. Yeah, Patrick Patrick Beverly aside, your thoughts on it out there, just let us know, Lakers Fast Break or at Lakerholics.com. Again, I thought it was too light of a suspension, only one game, and we'll see what happens. I, you know, if like like Tom says, you don't like him if he's on another team, but if he's on yours, including the Lakers, you never know. You might get to warm up to him. He's one of the few players that don't even make that criteria for me. Uh, Rondo, <laughs> Morris, I mean, they're not exactly when they've been, where I've been on. Oh, the or Boogie, same thing, you know, I mean, yeah. uh, but, you know, to just to be honest, I really don't want those kind of guys on a team that I'm a fan of, to be honest. Yeah. It was after the game. That's what's yeah. I know, yeah. that's really that's, sad. That's you know, and I, I have to say that Frankly, when I played, I was probably thought of by most other players 
as one of those guys. Yes, I, I knew. Here it comes. Something <laughs> we already knew. But there, you know, but and, and I've said that many times about players, you know, but, you know, there's a point where you just reach a, you reach a limit where you want to say, man, I don't even want to, you know, like if I was on the Clippers and, the, and one of my players did that at the end of that series, I wouldn't even want to be in the locker room with a guy like that, to be honest. How much was made of LeBron not shaking hands? Versus this, that's a different thing. That's we're a walking back thing. to the locker room. I'm just saying, walking off of the court without shaking hands. But that's what I'm saying. That's what I've I'm done saying. that. I've done that with a team that I thought played dirty and 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 this, this should so have had forth. The same furor, right? This should have saved the well. It, yeah. should have been twenty times as much furor all, over it. But it's LeBron versus, and it's a joke it's versus a. Joke. a Pawn. It's the king versus a pawn. What happened in a recent ruling by, I think, the local CIF in California, in your neck of the woods, Jamie, uh, after the disgusting display by one school over another in regards to tortillas that were thrown, a very, very tasteless way to go ahead. And, and they won the individuals that, that did that demonstration. And the CIF took the championship away and vacated it and put them on probation for three years, I think, to 2024. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine I, if they'd said your penalty is the first game next year. Yeah, that, that would be ridiculous. <laughs> you have to forfeit the first game of next season. It's it's interesting where you can see where, where we learn our lessons and where we don't. This is not going to help Patrick Beverly learn his lesson because it's just a little, little slap on the wrist. Yeah. So. Uh, I mean, a kudos to the CIF for making that decision, by the way, because I saw the video of it. I was really, I was not shocked anymore by seeing those demonstrations because it, unfortunately we're at that point. But, you know, I, I was still very happy to see that that decision was made and that championship was taken away because of such, uh, such disgusting, disgusting demonstration that they I mean, What is the purpose of sports in our yeah. society? Exactly. Truly. I mean, it's about learning how to compete and do things the right way. Yeah. Play the game the right way. You know, when you disrespect the basketball gods and common civil civility, and then to almost be rewarded for it, yeah. you know, with a slap on the wrist or just a finger wag, like Jamie says, uh, yeah, come on, you know, but, that's, that's kudos to the CIF for, for taking that bold step and uh, yeah, actually doing what's right and, and needed. And both silver. Yes. Yeah. But, Adam Silver needs to step up. Yes, step up indeed. We'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. My last movie that I saw in the theaters was The Last Skywalker. I know, condolences to me. Wow, man. Right. I, I just had talked about that and I completely forgot that I saw that movie. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> is that it doesn't speak great things about it, I suppose. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. But guys, we're almost out of here. Wanna thanks so much, Elton for giving us a thumbs up on Facebook. And thank you very much for watching and listening. This is the Lakers Fast Break. But before we head on out, guys, a couple quick items coming across. And before we get to Dennis Schroeder, which is always a source of consternation for us, Scotty Brooks has been rumored by New York Times 
former ESPN reporter, Mark Stein, one of the leading NBA reporters that's out there, of being interviewed by the Lakers for an assistant coaching position. Who knew Jason Kidd was so good that they need two assistant coaches to replace him? Spencer, oh, I want to you start. don't know that he's the only one leaving. Well, that's, well, that's true. Obviously, that that's a sign that somebody else is on the way out the, as well. But Spencer, I want to hear your thoughts. Scotty Brooks, I asked last week, even though I'm still not a hundred percent convinced, like you guys tried to on David Fisdale with me, I'm still not a hundred percent convinced. But again, I wasn't a hundred percent convinced on Jason Kidd either. But what would he possibly bring to the team if that's the case? And he's hired as an assistant coach. When he coached the Thunder, they were good defensively, and they they had like a pretty aggressive scheme that let uh, Russell Westbrook and Paul George lead the league in steals and deflection. So that's that's one positive. As far as was negative, he the coach of their finals run? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, he was. As far as negatives, his offensive schemes are basically like give the ball to his star players and make them ISO. So. That's why he kind of empowered like Frank's offensive schemes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. No, he's not going to solve your offensive problems. When he had Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant got the ball. Russell Westbrook got the ball. Bradley Buell got the ball this year. Russell Westbrook got the ball again this year in Washington. So there's not going to be much diversity in offensive schemes. And that's the problem I have if he's hired. I think for me, you might want to look other places. In fact, Try to be a little bit innovative. I know that Rajon Rondo, he still probably has a year on his contract or it's a team option, something of that nature. If it was a team option and he is not renewed by the Clippers, I would say go after him for an associate head coaching job. Get him right there as that number two. I think I said it before last year, Tom. I know you're going to probably tell me otherwise, but I think that what he brings, he, I think he's a head coach in, in the making. Another name for an offensive end. And this is totally out of the blue, and you guys are probably going to poo-poo on it, is Jamal Crawford, who's recently out of the league, but is someone who I think has a great amount of experience. And you know he doesn't play defense. One thing he can do is shoot the ball and create a lot of offense for others. So I'm – I mean, just throwing that out there. Uh, and just, I'm just saying – Bring new ideas. Bring new people to the forefront that might give fresh ideas instead of recycle ones like Fizdale and Brooks. You already have Lionel Hollins, who's an NBA head coach or who was an NBA head coach. He's there. Phil Handy, he's there. Although, again, that could mean that they're both or one or both are on the way out, that they're the reason why they're talking to Scotty Brooks. But I want to hear your thoughts. Going through, are, you, are you okay with going the route of all these ex-head coaches coming over to the Lakers, or do you want to try something new? Well, let me let me first answer the question that uh, you asked Spencer, which is, what would Scotty Brooks bring? Possibly Russell Westbrook. Russ. <laughs> That's the key thing that he could bring. And it's not a totally irresponsible thought to connect the dots and say that talking to Brooks is, could be a sign that the Lakers might be thinking of Westbrook. Russ. You, you know, I'm a big believer in the third star and I'm a big believer in the insurance that a third star offers any of these teams from injury standpoint you know I mean the Bucks survived to the finals because they had that third star in Drew Holiday as for bringing in all of these experienced head coaches it would not be the way that I would go if I were the head coach there for a lot of reasons I think a lot of head coaches aren't very comfortable with 
having potential replacements sitting right next to them on the bench. One replacement, we're going to have two replacements sitting there if, yeah. if they brought Brooks in. Um, well, three, I, you could say I, Lionel the, Hollis. The thing, that's, the, thing that's, the thing that is really, res, you have to be say is admirable about Frank Vogel is that he's not afraid of that. In fact, he embraces the fact that I want to have the wealth of experience, the ability to have a comment and an adjustment that's suggested by a coach because he's seen situations in his career that tell him that this is a good move to make. And he wants that diversity of opinion. He doesn't want to have an autocracy. He wants to have a a consensus-driven coaching staff where everybody is able to participate. And it's one of the reasons why he said he doesn't doesn't believe in this splitting up of an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator. And he generally, you know, assigns his coaches to teams rather than to roles and, and so forth. And I understand that. It's the way he's always coached. It's the way he's always built his staffs. And I think it's one of the reasons why he's such a good fit for the Lakers. So I do like bringing in people like that. I think it shows a strong confidence that Frank Vogel has in his own ability and his own standing within the Lakers. I don't like some of the people on Lakerholics.com don't believe that that Polinka is bringing these guys in as possible takeovers in case Vogel gets fired or something like that. Like I do believe that Vogel is going to get an extension probably before the season starts again. I think he's worthy of it. I don't see any need to look elsewhere for a coach. I would like them to bring in somebody with some offensive expertise, somebody who who could really provide the same level of focus and concentration on offense that Frank and the other guys seem to bring on defense. But by the same token, you know, the, the Lakers the Lakers are a defensive-oriented organization at this point in time, and that ain't going to change. I just and think they're, their offense is a superstar-driven offense, and that's not going to change. They're not going to put in an egalitarian Princeton offense where the shots are equally distributed among the players. It ain't going to happen. Well, Jamie, before we get to you, my friend, I think Spencer had a had an outside the box. I mean, I was thinking outside the box. I'm thinking fresh ideas. I'm thinking players that recently are retired or, you know, getting up there in years that the players can relate to, like LeBron and others that maybe they would listen to more because they're more in tune with today's game, bringing these recycled coaches over there. They they obviously have their ideas of what on I'm with you. I'm not about they're coming in because they're going to replace Vogel. We saw that already. That didn't, isn't going to happen unless Vogel really tanks it and LeBron really doesn't like what he has to say. If LeBron and AD do not like what he has to say, then he's gone. They go on a losing streak, then you'll hear all that stuff come out. And now obviously the seat gets warmer and whatnot, but I don't think they're they're being brought in intentionally to go ahead and you know, just be there as replacements. I I, I do think though that fresh blood, fresh new coaches, younger coaches, maybe college coaches, might be better apt to be bringing in. I, I think ex players, recently retired players or ex players, would be for me the best way I would go. But Jamie, what are your thoughts on this? Are you cool with Scotty Brooks coming in? Or, do you like that, or do you think another option would be there? I think Spencer's idea of Gilbert Arenas, let's go for him. You know, shotaholic. I just said as long as he brings the Shark Tank with him, that'd be great, but not the guns like Spencer was saying. So your thoughts on bringing something outside the box or traditional hand-me-down 
coach like we're seeing in the past couple of weeks. Oh man, if we get Agent Zero, he's got to bring the hibachi, man. That's the only thing we just need the hibachi. That's a, you know hibachi. There you go. See, all three of us bring something that different about Gilberius. I mentioned the Shark Tank. He mentioned the guns. You mentioned the hibachi. That's one of my favorite things about Zero. You know, I I like ex players. I think what the Lakers really needed in the assistant coaching department is an X's and O's guys. I thought our biggest weakness last season was coming out of timeouts, coming out of ball stoppages when you need a specific kind of, when you need something. Statistically, he was the worst basketball coach coming out of a timeout. That's where we needed. That's what we need to shore up. So do any of these guys add to that capability? Scott Brooks? No, I don't know about players. I can't imagine that players are great X's and O's guys coming off the game. Definitely not Jamal Crawford and yeah, these guys. Jamal Crawford is shoot. His only message he could give that would be shoot every time you touch the ball, man. Gunners, same with same with arenas. So like you know, let's replace Mike Penberthy with one of those guys because like let's let's talk about the lengthy shot making ability of Mike. Oh, we're done talking about Mike Penberthy. Like you know, so if that's the case, then that's I'm fine with that. Those who can't do teach. yeah, but the, the, those who can do aren't always the best teachers, as we've seen with Jordan and Johnson and all sorts of great players who right. made coaches. I mean, Jordan's case, I think he's finally stepped back from being as involved as an owner as maybe early on and was like, maybe I should let the guys who, uh, you know, who have PhDs and things, you know, nobody's going to question Michael Jordan's ability to put the ball on the floor and get to the rim, but, you know. Don't talk to Scottie Pippen on that. The, <laughs> oh, That's another story altogether. <laughs> A job that's not on TV anytime soon. So you know, in that case, I, I Scott Scott Brooks doesn't move my needle very much. Uh, the only needle he moves is Russ. <laughs> if Westbrook's coming to the Lakers, as is you know entirely possible, well, not likely, but it's possible. Then you've got a guy who's a Russ whisperer, a guy who Russ trusts. They understand each other. They can have a conversation in game, outside of the game, about what needs to happen. And Russ is going to have to adjust, which is going to make that whisper very important. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's the only reason you bring them in. And, yeah. and that that makes me feel like that has like a 5% or less more chance of happening. But, you know, I don't I don't see the Lakers making that kind of move this summer. It's 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 it'll be difficult for us to make that kind of move. It's not impossible, but it's going to be very, very difficult for us to pull off some sort of epic mega trade like that. You know, the fact that a Vogel extension didn't get done and that we haven't heard why that is makes me think it's it's as much Vogel as the Lakers who He's maybe playing the shooter game. I'm worth more than whatever it is they're trying to. I mean, we know they tried to lowball Ty Lue when Ty Lue went to become an assistant coach for the Clippers. So, you know, if this is one of the things that's kind of becoming infuriating about the modern Lakers is they don't want to spend money in the areas that they can without penalty. You know, why are we pinching pennies on the training staff? Why are we pinching pennies on assistant coaches? If, if you want a guy, go get a guy. If if Scott Brooks is that guy because of whatever, then I expect we'll hear about that. Should be no reason. I mean, your your organization's <laughs> worth more than $4 billion. Right. You, yeah, you, but Vogel's, Vogel's not going to leave the Lakers because of how much money they're going to pay him. <laughs> you say that now, but... Uh, you no, know, it's not going to happen, man. Okay, well, listen, I, I, I'm... Uh, <laughs> because... You know, those negotiations I'm, were loose said, no, I'm, I want a five-year contract. Vogel said three years, no problem. Right. Well, How much that, money, no problem. But that was before he won an NBA championship. That's true, but you know, you don't know how things change. You only you're only as valuable as your last job, man. Well, his last job. If, if your last job ended poorly, 
this job he's done pretty good. So that's what I'm saying. I, we don't know. We don't know the hold up. We don't know if it's the Lakers wanting a little bit more out of him. We don't know if it's Vogel saying like, oh, another small contract. I think I'm worth a little bit more than this after I won an NBA Finals for you guys in the bubble. So we don't. We don't know which makes all things possible. So I'm not willing to discredit or discount uh, any of the possibilities simply because we just don't have enough facts to, to know what's really going on behind the scene. And with the Schroeder well, again. Lack of facts should not hold you back from having an opinion. Oh, you know, I, I, I grew up in an area, an era that wasn't influenced by Trumpism. So incredibly, I'm highly dependent on facts, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> Need I digress on that one? But again, it is Scotty Brooks interviewing at the Lakers. He is not committed as of this airing, as of yet, but we'll see what happens in regards to Scotty Brooks becoming a member of the Lakers coaching staff. But before we head on out, guys, Dennis Schroeder's real worth. We talk about it all the time on this show. We've talked about it all season. But Spencer, I'm going to start with you. What's the great work that you're doing with Basketball University on medium.com? And then also, what is Dennis Schroeder's real worth and how much do you think he'll get on the open market? Okay. I think Dennis Schroeder's real worth is like 15 to 17 million. I think I'm okay. If you say like he's worth 20 million because he has bird rights and we're, you know, because of bird rights, he's going to go to the negotiating table and say, you you have to pay up. Right. So that inflates his value, but the reported, 100 to 120 million is <laughs> insane and i don't know looking around the league the only team that could offer that and like pressure the lakers into paying that much is the knicks and the knicks i think they've done some good moves recently and they would undo every good move they did if they gave 120 million i mean that's insane right then you're not even keeping julius randall how are you going to pay R.J. Barrett, like, his rookie extension? That's crazy. Hopefully the Lakers pay no more than the four years, 84, they offered before the trade deadline, and I guess we'll see. And what are you doing at Basketball University? Yeah, okay, so we're going to predict the NBA Finals. We just posted articles about Chris Paul and Trey Young because they've had two amazing postseason runs so far. And uh, looking towards the offseason, I'll definitely be writing about the many free agents that could change the NBA landscape. There you go right there. Please check out all great work that he's doing at medium.com slash basketball-university. Laker Tom, the mastermind behind Lakerholics.com himself. Your thoughts on Dennis Schroeder? What's his real worth? What do you think he'll get? And, of course, all the great stuff that you're doing at Lakerholics.com. Well, I want to put a punch in first for uh, Spencer's site, uh, Basketball University. Um, I discovered it uh, a year ago on Medium, and I've been uh, writing articles on Medium. And and uh, if you guys want to look at a young writer who really has a good feel for what's going on in the league uh, and a couple of other excellent people there who know the game, the articles are long sometimes, which it amazes me how Spencer can organize and put together, you know, articles that are three or four times as long as some of my longest articles. But uh, he does a terrific job there, and everybody ought to go there. Uh, great place to get some different approaches to the sport rather than just the aggregators. You see a lot of original content here where people spend a lot of time and effort not only on the articles, but the 
photos to illustrate along with the article and so forth. So it's a great, great site to go to. And Spencer is a really talented writer. So uh, I invite everybody to participate and be a participant there. As for the Lakers situation and Dennis Schroeder, you know, I just posted an article on Lakerholics.com of four trades that would enable the Lakers to take advantage of their own free agents. And one of the trades I have is uh, is with the Toronto Raptors, and it's a double sign and trade. It's uh, if you recall that right before the trade deadline, the Lakers had offered Dennis Schroeder KCP for Kyle Lowry. And the Raptors had said, no, we have to, you have to include THT. If you include THT, we'll make the deal. At the last minute, the Lakers said no. And I never really mean the last minute. Gerald and I were doing a live show for the draft that day, which had gone like four hours. For the trade deadline. And it, it was a trade deadline. And it was right there at the last, there was like 30 seconds left when the news came out that the Lakers finally announced that, nope, we're not going to give up THT. I think that's a trade that, in retrospect, both teams may regret today. Um, But I know that the one thing that seems clear about it is I think there's an opportunity there. It's the perfect opportunity for, number one, for the Lakers to sign and trade Dennis Schroeder so that they get another asset for which they can get value rather than letting him walk away for nothing. And I think it's an opportunity for Dennis Schroeder, maybe the only opportunity around for Dennis Schroeder to get the kind of payday that he wants. And so the what reason do you think is, is the that, payday that is, is he going to yeah, get? Yeah, payday for like 22, 23, 24 million a year for four years or three years. And the reason is, is that when you have two teams who are like you did with the Golden State Warriors when they made the Kevin Durant trade to the Nets, when you have two teams that don't have cap space, that have a valuable player that they want to sign and trade, and the two teams can agree upon it, then what they have to do is they have to get those players to agree to the sign and trade. And what gets the players to agree to the sign and trade? Money. More money than they would be willing to pay to their own guy. Now, the the Raptors, for example, they're not going to give three years at 23 million or 22 million or 20 million to Kyle Lowry, who's 35 years old, because they're not in a win-now mode. But the Lakers, the Lakers would have no problem giving Kyle Lowry 23, 24 million for three years at 35, because they'll write off the last year. And the same thing, the, the Lakers would not pay Dennis Schroeder 22, $23 million for three years, because he's not the right player. But if they're going to sign and trade him and send him to the Raptors, who are not a win-now team, but a team that's going to want to build toward winning, those are the opportunities where you get guys overpaid. And those are the opportunities where you have to move a player who, you know, you, 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 you can move those double sign-in trades. Those are the types of moves that can happen there. And so I'm proposing in, in my thing that it's a straight trade. It's a straight double sign-in trade. We re-sign Dennis to 22, 23 million for three years. We ship him off to the Raptors. They do the same thing with Kyle Lowry, ship him to the Lakers. Both teams win. Both teams avoided losing a guy for nothing. And they both get a point guard. We get a point guard that we need to win now. They get a point guard who's only 27 years and has got 
some upside, hopefully. So I think that there's no reason why Dennis Schroeder is not going to end up with at least three years for 60 million. Now, I do think that Spencer is right that there's a chance that the Lakers sign him because the problem the Lakers have is that we need to have a complete makeover, but we can only afford a tune-up on an oil change. And so what happens is that one way you do it is, okay, Schroeder's not the greatest point guard. He's not the greatest three-point shooter. He's a pretty good defender. He's pretty athletic. What you need to do then is you need to get rid of KCP and put a guy in there next to Schroeder, who is also a playmaker. So you've got two guys that can distribute the ball, but this guy has to be somebody who can also shoot the ball. You know, I could, you know, for example, I could see if if they didn't want Schroeder and we kept Schroeder, I could see a dual backcourt of Schroeder and Lowry. I mean, after all, the Raptors won a championship and their backcourt was, was two point guards, basically, Kyle Lowry and Van Vliet. And I've always loved the double point guard backcourts because I think having two playmakers really gives you a lot of versatility. So I think Schroeder's worth $80 million in four years or $60 million in three years. He had a bad playoff. That's going to hurt the value a little bit. But just like when you go out as a Laker fan and you're looking for somebody to trade for the Lakers, you're always looking at the best side of these guys. And oh, yeah, he's not going to get injured. And yeah, he's, his stroke is going to come back. And he won't have as many turnovers with the Lakers. He'll get better shots with LeBron. All it takes is one team to think that a player is worth what he's worth. What you're worth is what one team, the team that will pay you the most, will give you. Wow. And he only said that in 10 minutes. But, Jamie, before we hit on that one. <laughs> I'm here. What? Hello. Hello. Before we head on out, Laker Tom on one of his soapbox rants. But Jamie Sweet, again, what are you doing with five things on your great column at Lakerholics.com and Dennis Schroeder's real worth and what do you think he'll get? Uh, I mean, what I think I'll get, I think he'll get close to what he's asking for. But what do I think he's worth? I think he's worth $15 million. And that's a hard thing. I don't, I wouldn't pay, I, if I was any GM of any team, would not pay him one cent over $15 million. Uh, once you get up into that $20 million category, you have to be as good as Malcolm Brogdon and the just-mentioned Fred Van Fleet. And Schroeder's not as good as either of those guys. So that's that's where the discussion kind of ends for me. I would rather he not be a Laker. I think it's a 50-50. Uh, it's like 50-50 that he is a Laker next season, which would only then make him tradable at the trade deadline. You know, he'll probably get 20, 22 a year. I would rather it be like a hard 15 with like – five to seven million dollars in incentives like don't turn the ball over a group of times don't go into the health and safety protocols two times in the season just get like, vaccinated there's a whole list i could go down when it comes to shooter and his his uh his shortcomings so you know he had he was he looked great when he was playing with ad and lebron so does kcp so does alex caruso that doesn't make you worth a lot of money unfortunately in professional sport but we'll see they'll get a big payday from somebody i like tom's sign and trade not necessarily that one. I'm not on. I'm not really on the Lowry train. If we're going to bring somebody back, I want it to be somebody under contract. I think the Lakers need to do all they can to not hard cap themselves for the regular season, so that when it does come to the trading deadline, we're not bumping up against an artificial ceiling, uh, and that we can bring in more money than we can ship out. It's a fraction. It's not like you know what you can do in free agency, but to hit that ceiling means you, that you just have to either get rid of 
players that you maybe are helpful for your team, but you don't want it. And so that's my take on it. What I'm working on for five things is a much rosier, much happier five things than I posted. <laughs> I don't want Tom. I don't want to make Tom mad. So uh, it's going to oh, be. Oh, Tom was mad. Uh, it's it's going to be sunshine and rainbow beams. Don't worry. It'll be a full blown Care Bear stare. Okay, fair enough, indeed. But check it out at five things. Glass, like half, half, glass half empty. Five things has it's hit. Now we're going to get the glass half full. Five things. It's going to be the cup show runneth over. Don't don't worry. Oh good. my gosh! Good. I don't uh, know which would be less believable then. Forty points. Well, we need some positive things going for the Lakers. It's LeBron getting healthier. That, that to me is positive as we can get. Positive as we can. That'll probably be one of the five things. It is. Yes. Good health is definitely number three. My five things are. A new starting point guard, a new starting shooting guard, LeBron being healthy, AD being healthy, and a new starting center. Give me those five things. So what the th- same things you've been asking for for every season for like the last three seasons. Or so. <laughs> no, I was satisfied with Schroeder at the start of the year, and I was satisfied with KCP. He was praising. Don't don't get me started. We can just go back in the time. Yeah. You talk about me going back on an NBA Finals prediction. We'll go back in time and talk about. Well, we that. were twenty-one and six yeah. until the injury started to hit. Yeah, everybody on planet Earth was effusive. Go back and read some of the late, late some of the articles about how the Lakers like stole free agency from the NBA. Yep. Yes. Hey, everybody thought we did. Everybody thought uh, it's on record that I said I didn't think that well, chasm was as big as. Everybody with an open mind was in everybody, the Lakers. Uh, but then there's me who was smart enough to see, smart enough to see. But anyways, uh, I saw the real truth. But myself, I think I, I'm in agreement with Spencer and Jamie. 15 to 17 is the most I would pay him. If it goes above that, then you're looking to do what Laker Tom is suggesting, and that's a sign and trade, whether it's for Toronto's Kyle Lowry, whether it's for Malcolm Brogdon, who have you. you know, it's just that's something I – I think has to be negotiated upon, but again, I, you know, I think what he will get, where he'll probably get close to 26. I think he'll get 26 a year in that range. I think he'll get above the hundred billion dollars. He'll be asking for, he won't get to 120, but I think he'll get above a hundred or right at a hundred. I think that's probably what I'm looking at for him because there will be a buyer's market for him. I think there's going to be a little bit of a bidding war. Once some of these point guards uh, find spots, and if he's still out there, I think if there's more than one team that still needs a point guard that's going to be bidding, I think there's going to be a little bit of interplay there. But I don't think he'll get as long a term. I don't think he'll get a four four year term. You're not going to pay him what he wants and give him as long a contract as you want. The contracts today are all starting to be shorter than they used to be. We'll, we'll see what happens, whether it's a three, four, or five-year deal. I think he still will try to get a four-year deal. I think he may be successful in that. Depends on the marketplace at the time he goes out. So we'll see what happens there. But, guys, it's been great talking to each and every one of you, everyone out there that watched and listened. Hope you have a fantastic or have had a fantastic Fourth of July weekend. Please stay safe. Please enjoy your fireworks. Glad we didn't have any fireworks here for the Lakers fast break as Jamie has already left us. But guys, it's been great talking to each and every one of you. Wishing you all the best. Catch us at Lakers fast break, Lakers fast break at yahoo.com. If you have any questions, we'll be back on Friday for another great show Thursday night for our taping right here on Facebook at Lakers fast break. But we truly appreciate everybody watching and listening. Once again, big shout out to Dash Radio, where we're on every Sunday morning. Also, a friend to the Hoopheads Podcast Network. And we truly appreciate everybody watching and listening. 
Hope everyone has had a great 4th of July, and we'll see you on Friday with an update on the NBA Finals and so much more right here at the Lakers Fast Break.